This show contains mature and sexual content matter, which may be inappropriate for some younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Get ready for Gaywire on CJSR, queer radio that recruits. Welcome to Gaywire. I'm Alexa. And I'm JD. And Coming to you not live. Yeah, we're recording <laughs> from our two separate houses. Uh, Over the internets. Yeah. I've heard of a lot of other podcasts doing it, so this seems to work. It seems to be working so far. <laughs> Hopefully people can hear us and it's not just dead air. That's true. Uh, so for the next hour, we're going to give you your regular dose of queer and trans news, culture, events, if there are events. Everything cool you want to know about, and we won't talk about that thing that everybody else is talking about. This will yeah. be a re- It'll be a reprieve. Yeah. A refreshing break in your day. Um, but I will say, our one of our, one of our favorite recurring guests, uh, Chris, has given has put out another list of queer books to read right now. So we'll go oh. with that too. Cool. Yeah. For no other to read in, we're not acknowledging why you would want to read them. We're just saying you could read them if you have to. You should always them. be reading. That's true. Yeah. So uh, what do you want to start with? Do you have some pop culture news? I, I, I do have pop culture news. Okay. I, there's never a shortage of pop culture news. When, when I need to get some, inform- to, some news, sometimes it feels like scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I'll go to Perez Hilton's blog because <laughs> <laughs> you know there's going to be pop culture news there. Um, and found some stories that were of news to me. First off, the first thing when you look up his uh, gay, gay, gay content, have you been watching Tiger King's Tiger King? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, it is, there's no way to describe what it is. It's a documentary on Netflix. If you're the one person who hasn't seen it, go see it. It's about people who collect tigers. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the husbands of the protagonist or antagonist or however you want to describe. Yeah, depending that, on what side you're on. Is that, yeah, the hero or the anti-hero. One of Joe Exotic's husbands uh, did do an uh, interview with Andy Cohen on the radio and uh, opens up about a lot of things about their relationship and where he's at now and their history together. And it is, as you can expect from everything else in that show, just nuts. So check it out. If, if, you, if you didn't get enough of uh, the mind-baffling antics of people who collect tigers and want to hear about... Uh, the point of view of somebody who didn't get very much time in the documentary, check out uh, Andy Cohen's interview with, so, uh, yeah, I don't want to give too much away. No, I know. But I don't think it's like, I feel like in the queer world, people have talked about it because it's, it's pretty known that 
he has two husbands, right? But right now, just one. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to keep show up. they have a triple marriage. Did you watch this documentary? Yeah. <laughs> I've only watched the first two episodes. Oh my gosh! Now I've just given a bunch of it away. <laughs> okay. No, you don't know. You no. have no idea how <laughs> deep this goes. You're right. I've only made it to the two marriages where they had like matching pink. No, no. You're just, this is just the tip. You have <laughs> no idea what's coming. Okay. I'm not discussing this anymore. Okay. Finish, finish it and then listen to this interview. Uh, okay, but you're saying it was posted on Andy Cohen's yeah. site, and you're saying it's worth going to this interview to learn about one of the. If, if, if you want, if you want, yeah, if you want to okay. know more, or if you're like me, you're like, okay, I've had enough. I just, I can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just too much for for someone to handle. Then don't. But uh, uh, Andy Cohen interviewed him on SiriusXM, so you can use the internet to find that interview. I'm sure it's mm -hmm. out there. Perez Hilton summarized it in. An, Really, reading the summary was enough for me. That's fair. I will yeah. say that recording this from home offices mean that I'm looking out my backyard and just saw a giant bunny go across the lawn in the sun. So that's really nice. Yeah. In these times. I can, I can do the show with my cat now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we did a video version of this. Uh, okay, okay. So I've got some so pop culture news. Oh, okay, yeah, keep going. Yeah. yeah, tell me your pop culture. I got one more story. Well, maybe give me your story because we might have the same one. So you go first. You do not. Yeah, well, maybe you do. But is it about Disney films? No, it's about no. another movie. Perez okay. Hilton is just obsessed with Disney. I don't know, but he's always blogging about Disney movies. So they're making, as he reports, a prequel to the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So remember when the first live-action Beauty and the Beast came out and it was controversial before people had even seen it they were boycotting it in some countries um and the, mm. in the united well some countries they weren't showing it at all and in america there's people who are boycotting it because apparently it was had a gay moment and mm. when you finally saw it, the gay moment was like a furtive glance between two male characters and that was it and it could have been anything um uh, so because of that and I mean, we talked about this at length, and Perez Hilton reported on that because he's obsessed. Um, he's skeptical as to whether the prequel will even work at all because of Disney's real reluctance to show any substantive queer content. Mm -hmm. Remember, we talked a while ago, because he brings up that in Star Wars, just come to this one first, apparently in Star Wars there was supposed to be it was rumored to be the latest Star Wars. I can't remember what it's called. Star Wars, the recent thing. That's, what, <laughs> that's the name of the movie. Yeah, the recent thing. Episode 27. Yeah. Uh, there was supposed to be, you know, a rumored to be a, a queer moment, and people were freaking out that it would be two of the main characters, and then it turned out to be, like, two women kiss in the background for, like, a second. Right. And we talked about how in Toy Story 4, which I finally watched, um, recently, because I've been putting in a lot of time watching movies. Mm -hmm. uh, Toy Story 4, remember, we're supposed to have this, this lesbian couple, and it was like for less than a second. 
Yeah, you had to be, I saw it too, and you had to be looking for it. You had to know what scene it's supposed to be in. You had to know it was coming up, and you had to be yeah. looking in the right area of the room just to see two women. With, and then, why isn't there even a lesbian couple? Yeah, they were just two women who were, like, looking after a child in a daycare. Yeah, but, I mean, so for some people that was too much, but for Disney, that's as much as Disney can do. So Perez Hilton's argument is that this prequel won't work because if these two male characters do have some sort of homoerotic backstory, they're going to be unable to show it because of Disney's history of refusing to show anything. Or like to make it, to have the queer characters be actually substantively queer. Mm -hmm. Like do something more than just look at each other. So was it Gaston's friend? What's that? Is that the character? It was Gaston's friend? Yeah. LeFou. Yeah. And I haven't seen that movie, so I'm not an authority on it. The other one, the other, and he also blogged recently about Mulan, the the remake of Mulan. So Disney's just like remaking all their movies, I guess. This is how they, you know, cheaper intellectual property. Yeah. Um, uh, they're they're remaking Mulan, and they're also going to be de-queering that too, because in the original cartoon, I guess there was two characters who there was some sort of you could read between the lines, some sort of homoerotic. Uh, undertones to their relationship. Um, those characters have been removed. Disney's saying they've removed them because they were uh, subordinate and they, uh, like the person in charge of them in the army. So there was that power, uneven, uneven power relationship there. So they didn't feel it was appropriate to have that relationship in the movie. Yeah, to come back to it, that's why Perez Hilton blogs that he is skeptical of a Beauty and the Beast prequel. Hmm. Well, wasn't like, isn't Lumiere gay? Can we just say that? <laughs> <laughs> like, wasn't he, he overtly gay? <laughs> he and that clock. Yeah. Like, but, like, uh, well, this is, this is what we have to resort to, though. This is what we've been doing for decades, yeah. is reading in these gay relationships where they possibly don't exist. I mean, I watched, don't get me wrong, I watched all the Star Wars movies, like, all. 90 of them and there's definitely something going on between c3po and r2d2 <laughs> but we have to read into it and it's just yeah like just throw us a bone confirm that there are queers uh in the disney universe no that's true the way that c3po and what's the other guy's name r2d2 <laughs> yeah <laughs> The way they roam around together, you know? Yeah. They bicker. Oh, they, oh, yeah. Yeah. They're definitely like an old married couple. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, I have uh, news about your favorite movie. What and that's Call Me that? By Your Name. Oh. Yeah. Well, I kind of be like, what are my legitimately favorite movies? I know. I feel like this is your least favorite. We're talking about representation of gay characters. And uh, so did you hear any news about this one? No. What, are they making a sequel? Yeah. And, oh, uh, I was joking. Yeah, they are. <laughs> is, um, and Timothy is it, is it called? Will it be called Also Call Me By My Name Too? I'm just joking. But Timothy Chalamet and uh, Army Hammer have confirmed that they will be part of it. Oh. Uh, this is coming from Gay Times. That's an, that's an actual news source. 
Yeah, um, well, I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sometimes you gotta go where the news is. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of defeats the purpose because it wasn't the whole point of it that it's like a summer romance and then they can't be together at the end. Yeah, and it was like the the I feel like the part that I enjoyed about the movie was the way in which that like final scene where Timothy's char- character knows that it's over and he's by the fire and he's just like mourning that. Yeah. That was like one of the best scenes in the whole movie was him mourning that the relationship was over. <laughs> that was what I mean that's what makes like things like Casablanca great. It's like she leaves at the end with the other guy and mm-hmm. And Humphrey Bogart's like, okay, that's the end of it. Like, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now I'll go back to living in, you know, World War II occupied North Africa. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this is going to defeat the purpose of the movie. So, right. so like- there is some information. So it, um, it jumps ahead uh, 10, 15, and 20 years from the events of the summer, of, the original events in the summer of 1983. Um, to find the two characters, uh, Elio and Oliver, in different places in their lives. Um, oh, good. They can join, they can get together in time for the fight for same-sex marriage. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll be 2003 at the latest. Yeah, that'll well, it started be right in the the not, But it started, there's the nascent movement in the 90s. Yeah. Well, they can make a third installment where they get married. How's that? Yeah, exactly. Um, so the follow-up, not like, these were both ba- the, the original movie and then this follow-up movie were both based on novels um and so the follow-up novel is called find me so who knows if the sequel be- will be called call me by your name too is that the joke you just made yeah yeah <laughs> i missed it <laughs> also, like, also call me by my name as well yeah as well yeah <laughs> Yeah, so that's the pop culture news I have for people who are burning to know. But production and plans for it have been stalled by recent world events, which we will not name. Yeah, stuff happens. Exactly. I got a couple other things, if I can, about pop culture, but there is a little more dated. Yeah. um, Because, you know, we've been doing other stuff. We were on hiatus for a little bit, and we missed news. So did you know... That there is now a new, a new, another uh, LGBT person on Saturday Night Live. Well, yeah, I say new as in like it started in 2019. Oh, okay, like the okay. Uh, have you heard? Have you heard of Bowen Yang? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hey. I haven't really seen the season this year because no, I, I decided to not get cable, and so now I don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. But did you know? Guess how many? <laughs> guess how many? LGBT people there have been on that show. And it's like 40, I don't know, when it started in the 70s. So 40 something years. Like, is this, is this out? Yeah, sure. Out LGBT people? Yeah. Because there's Catherine Mc, like. Yeah, you'll get one. Yeah, her. Yeah. (laughs) There's Catherine McKinnon who's currently on the show. Yeah. Before her in 2013 to 14, so for one year with uh, John Milheiser, and then from 1985 to 1986, okay. so for one year, uh, they had Terry Sweeney and Denitra Vance, who wasn't out then, 
mm. but uh, she later came out. So that's five in total. Right. In 40 years. I mean, that show has a, has a whole bunch of problems with representation. He's uh, the first, the first Chinese-American uh, actor on the show, yes. Okay. There have been a couple people uh, in the past, like Fred Armisen, for example, mm. who have uh, mixed heritage, but he's the first Chinese-American uh, to ever be on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, it, that show has a lot of representation issues. That's not what's newsworthy. Uh, he did do an interview just recently, well, I say recently, in January with the New York Times, which is worth checking out. Uh, it's called uh, Bone Yang of Saturday Night Live. It's a smash and a mensch by Maureen Dowd it's from January 25th. And he opens up about his history of uh, coming out, but also how he was put through conversion therapy uh, mm. by his parents and how he came to terms with that and how his parents are now coming to terms with his uh, identity and the uh, journey that they've all been on. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, quite interesting. And uh, again, and we've talked about this a lot, really highlights the uh, damage that conversion therapy can do. He, although he talks more about the damage that it did, has done to his relationship with his family members than the damage it has done to him personally. Hmm. Um. No, and I think with him too, like with the characters that I have seen him do on the show, like he does play gay characters sometimes, um, but they're funny and they're funny because like he's a gay person and he knows what the inside right. jokes are and he can obviously poke fun of it at it as opposed to, you know, a straight person pay- playing a campy gay character. Yeah. Yeah. And he used to be a writer too. So I mean, he's got that background. You can write a decent joke. <laughs> yeah sweet yeah uh well that's on hiatus as well so when they come back for their next season hopefully he'll still be part of the cast yeah well considering that uh three out of five uh gay lesbian characters have been fired after one year hmm. uh that's not a good uh, track record that's true but Kate McKinnon is amazing and we love her. And so she's been going for eight years now. No, I know. And her characters, and she does have like queer characters uh, that they're just, and like she obviously like plays with drag a lot. Like she impersonates a lot of like men and other folks. So yeah, she is bringing that like queerness to the show. But again, she's been doing it and holding it up for for many years and it can't just be one person. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even though she's fantastic. Um, so, man, we're just going to have all pop culture today. <laughs> well, I, I'm done. What else do you have? Yeah, so have you been, have you caught up on Shit's Creek? Yes, although I might be one week behind. So I am in this season. Um, okay, because the, the season, like the series finale is tomorrow, April <gasps> 7th. Yeah. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're saying um, it's, they're saying like, and I follow Dan Levy, the creator and star on a bunch of social media platforms. Um, but they're saying uh, that even though there's this series finale, the show might not be over yet. Um, so because they're in season six now, and it's really, it's been really like interesting to see how the popularity of the show has 
exploded in the past couple of years and that people are like finding it when it's wow. now six seasons into what's happening. Oh, well, you, well, what's important to stress is that Americans have found it. Yeah, that's, that's, when, that's when you know when you're big is that Americans have discovered it. Yeah. <laughs> so in, a, um, in an interview with Variety magazine, uh, Dan Levy said that um, the idea has crossed his mind to keep the show going in some form. Um, so he said he doesn't know what it could possibly be at this point, quote, but I would love to revisit these characters and I would love to get to play with this cast again. I feel very proud of the work I've done and I wouldn't want to do anything that compromises that, end quote. So I've seen on his social media platforms as well that he's hinted as li at like, you know, would it be like a movie or would it be something else that he does or like a special or something like that? So for all the people that are already mourning the loss of Schitt's Creek, and his characters, apparently there will be more. I don't know how he hasn't gotten an Emmy nomination yet because I just love him. I mean, yeah. his character on the show. Yeah. No, He's I know. And it's like, I think Eugene and, and has gotten like nominations, but I agree. No, Catherine O'Hara has. Oh, okay. Catherine O'Hara, and she deserves it too. She deserves yeah. it, but she's got a nomination that she hasn't won. He deserves a nomination because finally we have like, uh, and he's not even playing a gay character, he's playing a pan character. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we have a queer character who is not trying to, quote, pass, right? Like, he's embracing his queerness, and it's still, like, a, not a stereotypic character. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. it, uh, the more I watch the show, the more I realize that this is, like, the, the queer character that I've been waiting for, like, to have on a show. Wow. Yeah, and the, the series is culminating with his wedding um, to... Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's, I don't think it is. Like, it, it, it's, the whole season's been leading up to, like, the last show being the wedding. Um, and, like, there's been points where, like, people are like, oh, should we have it? Should, be it, should, be, should it be as big and flamboyant? Or, like, do we need to spend this money on? And his character just be, keeps being like, yep, I'm getting married and it's going to be huge. And I'm getting married and, like... Sure. Yeah. Because that's his character. I mean, the show's about class, right? So, But if you're sad that that's ending and you're going to miss Canadian queer characters, there's another. I don't know if you've heard of um, uh, Feel Good on Netflix, which is a new series that's been put out by Mae Martin, who's a Canadian oh. queer comedian. Oh. And um, it's a short series. It's like five or six episodes. Um, but it deals with her being a comedian in London, it seems quite autobiographical, although I don't know how true it is exactly to her life, but it seems like there's parts of it that she's um, playing off of. I don't know exactly which parts. Um, so uh, it's about her character being a comedian in London, being queer, dating somebody who has only dated men up until dating her, and also dealing with issues of um, uh, addiction and mental health and family um, and it is a really intense like six <laughs> six episodes as you could imagine with all of those themes um, but I mean it's 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 really good and you rarely see a character that's like that a show that's entirely focused on one like queer woman representing herself and sort of like telling the story that she wants to tell um, but it is definitely intense. There are, there are funny parts and um, like it's really well done. 
but I, it was one of those shows where I could only watch like one or two at a time. I couldn't binge it, you know. I'll check it out. So you're yeah. saying it doesn't end with an it doesn't end with a wedding. It does not. <laughs> it <is> not. <laughs> she doesn't end yeah. up living in a hotel in small town Ontario. No, uh, yeah, it's a little different in that then way. Discovering herself. Yeah. Okay. Um. And yeah. Sounds intense. I'll check it out. It is, but I mean, it's well done, and um, in it, she like plays a Canadian person who like has ties to England and and her. Oh, parents. that's rare. And um, actually, play a Canadian. Yeah. My big beef with Shit's Creek. I mean, it's not. Yeah. A, it's not a big beef, but it's like just admit you're in Canada. I know they're ambiguous about it, and then this final season, they're all talking about either moving to like New York or Los Angeles, and it's like. Yeah. Why not talk about moving to Toronto or Montreal like everyone else in Canada does, you know? Or Vancouver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? But yeah, she, she's Canadian, and it's about she actually is playing a Canadian. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and her, oh my God, her mom is played by Phoebe. What the heck is Phoebe's name? Lisa Kudrow? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, who actually plays, like, her mom in it is a really good character who, um, yeah, anyway. I just recommend it for these times when we're stuck in our house and we want queer content. Sounds good. I'll check it out. Yeah. Feel uh, good. The ironically named Feel Good. Yeah, I think so. Because you definitely right. don't when you're done. But JK. Girl, it's your time. Don't ever, ever change your mind Cause you're mine This is Vivek Shreya, author of Even This Page is White and She of the Mountains and one half of the music duo Too Attached. You're listening to Gaywire on CJSR. I'm never gonna hide you Never gonna fight you again Not for any man It's time for your spoonful of queer alphabet soup. I'm Damon, and today we're defining heteronormativity, the way in which sexualities are separated into hierarchically organized categories. Heterosexual sexuality is cast as being the most normal sexuality and is accordingly placed at the top. Non-heterosexual sexualities are deemed as abnormal and below heterosexuality. Heteronormative assumptions have dominated social institutions such as family, education, government, media, and medicine. I imagine one of the reasons people cling to their hates so stubbornly is because they sense once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with the pain. James Baldwin. So do we want to talk about uh, some books that were recommended? Some queer yeah, books? Yeah, let's talk about some books. So this list was shared uh, by Chris Galloway, who's been on our show twice now. Uh, he usually comes in December to give a, a list of books to read, his top 10 queer books from any given year that we've had him on. Um, and so he's put together, and these books aren't, uh, some of them are older, so they're not like confined to any one year. They're just the books that he um, 
that he's been reading or that he thought might be of interest to people who are looking for stuff to read right now. Um, so the first one, which he, when I talked to him, he said, uh, he highly, highly recommends this one is called Little Blue Encyclopedia for Vivian. And it's written by Hazel Jane Plant, um, P-L-A-N-T-E. Um, and I'll just quote a bit of what he said. He said, it's a beautiful book in every way, the cover, the layout, the illustrations, the writing. It centers the story of a queer trans woman's loss of her straight trans friend. The unique format is, is pulled off perfectly, an actual encyclopedia for a fictional TV show where each chapter is a letter in the alphabet, creating a quirky yet hilarious look at grief for a lost friend and unrequited love. It perfectly captures love, friendship, and the road to healing. Um, so again, those are the words of, yeah, and it, that's an amazing um, synopsis. So again, those are the words of Chris Galloway, who's suggesting these books. Um, uh, so again, that book is Little Blue Encyclopedia for Vivian, uh, and he highly recommends it. Um, the next one is The Napaway Motel by Nadja Luby Hazard. And it's um, about a small rundown motel in Scarborough. A litter of kittens brings together three unlikely friends. We find Ori, a genderqueer teen, uh, in search of their runaway twin brother, a man, and it also includes a man um, where his response to tragedy is to tear apart his family, and young Tiffany who attempts to create fantasy worlds to escape her mother's boyfriend's addictions and neglect. So he says this is a character-driven story which touches on mental health, addiction, tragedy, grief, and identity as well. So that's mm -hmm. the Napaway Motel. I've heard about this one and I've been curious about it. Um, the Western Alienation Merit Badge by Nancy Jo Cullen. Mm -hmm. uh, so he writes, they say, don't judge a book by its cover, but when I saw this cover, I knew I had to get it. So it's set in the 1980s Calgary under the shadow of the national energy policy and they follow the struggle of a working class, the working class Murray family. Um, and so the synopsis that Chris gives is following the loss of his second wife and his job, Jimmy is left struggling to pay his mortgage. His two daughters, Bernadette and Francis, move in with him, causing tension and conflict between them. And you follow the family's struggles to make ends meet. Conflict when Bernadette's long lost childhood friends returns to the picture and Bernadette's queer coming of age story. So, uh, he says that this is ultimately a story of queerness and class in 1980s Calgary, which I imagine will hit home with a lot uh, of our listeners as we are in Alberta after all. Hmm. Yeah. Um, there is, he, he does recommend uh, spring. This is another one. Spring first spring grass fire by Ray Spoon. Um, it was written mm -hmm. in 2012 and I, I've, I read it a couple of years ago as well. And that was one where I, that was the first time I had read anybody talk about Calgary um, from a queer perspective. And I remember just like that, the book is extremely moving. Um, and as Chris states, it's a queer and musical coming of age. It's autobiographical, told through the personal stories and experiences of growing up queer and trans in, uh, conservative Pentecostal Alberta home. Um, and so there's a documentary that also, that Race yeah. also created called My Prairie Home, which is a I beautiful documentary. Yeah. Very good. Um, so no, I mean, that's, that's a great one to like bring back to our attention. And those two, obviously, I think would be quite interesting to read, to read together at the same time. Nice. 
I like how those descriptions of the book were so literary. Yeah. <laughs> and then here we are talking about TV shows we saw. I'm just saying. No, I know. That's why, like, I'm, really I'm glad that you yeah. never have. You, just by coincidence, Chris has always been on the show when I haven't been available. So yeah. I look like unread in comparison. <laughs> like, is there a movie version of that book? Because yeah. that would be a lot easier for me. <laughs> And uh, no, like, thank you to Chris for sharing, for uh, agreeing yes. for us to read his words on air. And always, I, I, uh, there's some people that you're like, you can trust their book opinions. And Chris is one where I've, I've found amazing books that he's recommended uh, over the years. Hey, this is Brenda. I'm at the Tickle Trunk at 9923-82 Avenue, and you're listening to Gay War. Having sex is healthy, so here's some tips on having healthy sex. When using nitro gloves, use lots of water-based lube, Always change your gloves when you're switching between activities. Use a new pair of gloves with each partner and make sure your gloves are the right size. But do you have some news news that we can go to? Well, this is news-ish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's news. It's really happened. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Well, it depends on your point of view of whether it's newsworthy or not. But I mean, it's newsworthy enough that people have reported. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting this from CNN, uh, amongst other places. Uh, former Republican lawmaker Aaron Schock comes out as gay. And it's reported uh, March 5th uh, by Kate Sullivan. So in case you missed it, uh, Aaron Schock had been a Republican uh, what is he? If he's in the Congress, he's a congressman. Mm-hmm. In the for representing the Illinois Eighth Congressional District, uh, people have noted his voting past. Like it's noted in this article as well, he opposed same-sex marriage. He voted against uh, repealing "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." So he's got that history. He says that when he was voting that way, he was only following his leader John McCain's lead and voting how he was voting. But had he uh, been voting on those things today, he would definitely vote in favor of same-sex marriage and in favor of repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell. If you, I mean, I remember this vaguely. This is five years ago. He left uh, Congress five years ago in 2015 after an ethics investigation into him using uh, taxpayer money on things like trips and events and also to decorate his office as one of his uh, aides reported as done in Downton Abbey style. <laughs> and he no wasn't comment. out at that time? <laughs> <laughs> he denied that it was Downton Abbey style, saying that he'd ever seen the show. He probably <laughs> had even out, probably would have been able to say, you know, I, I was doing it in like a late Victorian style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he uh, didn't get into that. He was charged and indicted, but then the charges were dismissed. He quit. He says that he uh, then didn't come out 
sooner because he was taking the time to tell his relatives uh, or people that mattered to him on an individual basis uh, rather than coming out in the media. But he did come out uh, this past month and he said that a lot of his family has disowned him and encouraged him to go into conversion therapy. So that's, uh, that's that development with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it's a huge like moment for our communities to think about how we respond to members of the community who've been harmful, you know, and use, use different positions of power to, to deny rights and to inflict harm. It's difficult because uh, when somebody has done things that have been damaging the community and then say, okay, now I'm a member of the community, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to reconcile those two things. And there's also, I mean, I think we've talked about this, you know, the Barney Frank rule, uh, which is named after Barney Frank. Yeah, it wasn't used out him, but Barney Frank is still, still in he's a senator or a congressman i can't remember i don't know if he still is i'll look it up anyway he's an american politician and he came up with the rule that it's okay to out people if they're voting in a way that is hurting the lgbt community this is the rule that he came up with years ago i don't know if people still uh go with that a lot or not this is back in the 90s when people were being outed all the time. Celebrities, uh, people being outed against their will, and people who weren't necessarily, you know, doing bad things to the community. Barney Frank said, it's okay to out people like Republican senators who are saying homophobic things. So, uh, yeah. What do you think? Is it still, still okay to out people when they're homophobic Republican senators or? I don't know. I go back and forth on this. And I just, I just think that like, I mean, it's, it's sort of what's the point when you get down to like a human level that that's so damaging. What you're doing is just using someone's sexuality against them. Right. Like society does to us so often. So I know that like, and it, I know that like when Barney uh, Frank was saying these things, it was like a heightened time of when there was a lot of like gay rights issues that were being put forward on the state level and the federal level in the United States, um, giving opportunity to a lot of Republicans to like profess their hatred for the gay community in order to get votes. Right. So there's a lot of like, those issues being put on the ballot and like George Bush, you know, put marriage equality on a bunch of different ballots or whatever he didn't, but the Republican party did to get voters out. So, I mean, it was just a huge manipulative thing. And it was just such a, it's such a moment of like these Republicans also being outed at the same time that it feels a bit different now. Uh, it does. It does. And that's why I was asking. And that's a really, actually really well put together response better than I could come up with about how it is, it just feels different now. Mm-hmm. And whereas I think in the past, when one of the, like, remember when people are being outed, because like, conservatives are being outed, because they'd get caught picking guys up in bathrooms or taking a male escort on a trip around the world. Um, when those guys come out, you didn't really, I mean, they weren't coming out and saying, I want to be a member of the LGBT community now. Mm. 
but this this guy Aaron Shock, I mean, he's been see, seen at queer events. Like I heard about this cause originally because Perez Hilton actually blogged about how he's like you know at shirt off at some boy rave. So <laughs> so he's a member of the community now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough to reconcile that. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's his personal decision if he's going to do the work to to be part of the community and be supportive of it, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I have other politics news. Okay. In Canada, though. <laughs> so the the first is that, um, and this sort of this this story, like, so extra news is a place where we get a lot of our um, news from, and extra has. Um, changed over the decades. It's been around for a long time, and it was um, it was originally in print form. Did you ever get it? Like it used to be in newsstands on the corner of on side on. I don't know if they were ever in Alberta physically. Yeah. Were they? Yeah, because there was local editions. There was. I mean, it was yeah. headquartered in Toronto, but I remember that there were. I think there was a Calgary edition. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah. And uh, so they went from they went from print to online, and then they put out a statement uh, a couple months ago where they're changing how they're doing journalism, and they're instead of doing um, shorter pieces on uh, maybe smaller news stories, they're now doing a lot of like in-depth coverage of different issues, and what they're putting out is is actually like quite it's quite amazing and really well done. And so one of the pieces is they did a profile um, uh, on um, a candidate or a potential candidate uh, for leader uh, of the Green Party. And the reason that they profiled this person is because um, if they become leader of the Green Party, they would be the first non-binary gender fluid uh, person to be leader of any federal party. Uh, so at their name is uh, Amita Kuttner, and um, they were a candidate for Burnaby South, sorry, Burnaby North Seymour. Oh, yeah, I remember the piece on them that we talked about during the election. Yeah, so they, uh, they uh, said in early March, <laughs> I'm just trying to find the dates here, they said in early March um, that they're running for the party's leadership. Uh, and so, yeah, if they were elected, they would be Canada's first non-binary federal party leader. Um, they're 29 and have a PhD in astronomy and astrophysics from the University wow. of California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're done their PhD. This is what amazes me. They're yeah. <laughs> yeah, 29. Yeah, in Ash and at, from the University of California, no less, in astronomy and astrophysics. Well oh. done. Yeah. So they ran for public office for the first time during last year's federal election. Um, they finished fourth behind the incumbent uh, liberal uh, MP Terry Beach, NDP candidate Sven Robertson, and former conservative candidate Heather Liu Long. Uh, so it seems like that was like a pretty stacked, contentious riding. Um, Months before the election, uh, during Vancouver Pride in August, Kuttner came out as non-binary, gender fluid, and pansexual via a blog post saying, quote, for Pride, I want to share that I'm non-binary, gender fluid, and feel agender a lot of the time. I am pansexual, they wrote. I've discovered my identity over time as I've watched friends come out 
and begun to explore my own relationship with gender. Um, so during their candidacy announcement on March 9th, Kuttner said in an interview with Burnaby Now that they decided to run for the party's leadership after they received encouragement from, quote, a large number of people, and if elected, their focus will be on equal equity and justice, evidence-based policy, and always being ready for changes, particularly in terms of crisis and breakthroughs in the future. So there you go. Uh, makes us think about representation and how it matters. Um, but that certainly would be exciting to, to watch. Yeah. Cool. Uh, in other news that we didn't have time to cover because we were on hiatus for a little bit. So it was announced, uh, the city of Toronto announced that um, all major events and festivals will be canceled until that are, if they are occurring, if they are supposed to occur before June 30th. And so that includes the Toronto Pride Festival. Yeah. So there won't be a Toronto Pride Festival for 2020. Um, Pride Toronto said that they will no longer host their festival weekend, which was supposed to happen June 26, 27, and 28. Uh, and this is all because of uh, social distancing uh, regulations that have been put through in different cities. So there's, I don't have any, I'm not sure of word yet on um, other festivals in other cities being canceled, but uh yeah this is certainly something to keep in mind which i think like it's worth mentioning that pride toronto has been um obviously there's been a lot of controversy around pride toronto uh there was discussion about whether they were economically um stable uh their ed stepped down in the winter so there's instability there um so there's a whole bunch of things that have been uh affecting the kind of festival it would put on in 2020 you want to talk about more events coming up? Because there is still stuff happening. We have okay. moved, just moved from in-person to virtual. That's what I was going to say. I wonder if Pride this year is just going to be online. You know? Well, the Pride Center is still posting uh, events coming up. So uh, definitely just go check it out on uh, Instagram. But hmm. the Queer Out Youth Support Group has moved online. The book club is still going so you can check out what book people are reading right now uh and also just the most recent post is uh i think kind of neat uh a gauge on uh what is your mental health and you respond by posting different emojis and numbers and then people uh can express themselves uh that way and we know who to who wants to be reached out to oh, because nice. there are some people who are uh, feeling isolated or sad or anxious or stressed and uh, you know Instagram or uh, these other apps are an effective way to find out which of your friends or community members need some reaching out and then you can do that mm -hmm. so check out uh, the Edmonton Pride Center on Instagram and their website. So uh, I found two events uh, that are <laughs> happening. Uh, the first one is April 9th. So this Thursday currently, um, it's happening from 630 uh, Mountain Standard Time to uh, 730 Mountain Standard Time. And it's Queer Reads. It's a live virtual reading with Ivan Coyote. Um, 
So it says, come join the virtual reading by Ivan Coyote of their book, Tomboy Survival Guide. Um, this was shortlisted for the Hillary Weston Writers Trust of Canada Prize for Nonfiction, um, long listed for the BC National Award for Canadian Nonfiction, Stonewall Book Award Honor Book winner, and long listed for Canada Reads. And we all know and love Ivan uh, for all of their storytelling. I mean, their best, like you can, when you read their books, you can hear their voice, but it's always so nice to just hear them um, recite their own writing. So if you want to find that, um, you can look on Facebook under queer, if you search queer reads, a live virtual reading with Ivan Coyote, you'll be able to find the information there because it's, uh, you'll be able to join by Zoom meeting or be able to dial in depending on where your location is. And there's a bunch of Canadian numbers there that you could use. Um, so that's a really cool way to, to sort of all connect during these times. Um, the other thing is on April 12th, there's a Kings of the Quarantine online drag show. Uh, so this is happening Sunday, uh, this Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. And um, the tag for it is, does self-isolation have you missing Easter dinner? Um, family gatherings are always awkward anyways. So why not join Edmondson's favorite uh, sad boys, Bravo Charlie, Colin Bay, Dixon Cunts, and Mac U. Uh, more for the king-sized meal that is kings of the quarantine. So um, it'll be this Sunday, April 12th, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on Zoom. It's free to watch with tips accepted. And there's a website there that they are asking you to go to. And the Zoom information is yet to be announced. But again, if you go on Facebook and search Kings of Quarantine Online Drag Show, uh, you should be able to find it. So that's an excellent way because to keep in mind that um, a lot of performers in our community um, now don't have spaces where they can perform to make uh, money um, that they need, uh, but also obviously to connect with communities. So if you're able, definitely watch. And if you're even more able to uh, send them tips, I'm sure they would greatly appreciate that. Cool. Yeah. So I think we're at, I think we're at time, JD. I think that was an hour of gay wire. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so we're not sure so how, sorry. That went by so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not I'm sure. able to get up and go to the fridge and get food during the show now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so we're not quite, for listeners, we're not quite sure what our schedule, ongoing schedule will be. Um, I would say we're going to at least try to do this once a month, depending on how long things last. Um, but we will post on our Twitter with updates of when shows are coming out if you're super excited to listen to new Gay Wire episodes. Also, will the backlog of podcasts be posted online as well? I'm not going to just edit this part out. <laughs> Under the bus with you. Uh, that is definitely a quarantine goal of mine is to edit a bunch of podcasts to send so people can listen to them when they're at home. That's something to do with your spare time. Listen yeah, exactly. We spare time when we're trying to survive. Have you uh, this episode? Do you want to hear about an election that happened three years ago? Why not listen to the yeah. podcast? Go down memory lane with us. It'll be great. Uh, all right, well, we'll be back at some point with more queer news. We will. We're thanks. not going anywhere. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>